Good evening, everyone. I know, actually a little early. I had to stop my meditation to come online. No matter. Good evening. So tonight's quote is again from the Anguttara Nikaya. Anguttara Nikaya is a good uh, source of uh, dogma or doctrine. Sorry. Um, it's a place where it's the book that you go to if you want to get doctrine on a topic good for teachers to refer to when they're giving talks because the Anguttara is mainly lists so you've got separated into books and this is the why is this the book of elevens I don't know some reason I thought it would be the book of sixes. Let's see. Pikumodi often has some good insight onto why, how they do the numbering. Oh, I see. This is this sutta is actually a part of a bigger set of suttas, so let's not worry about the numbering because it seems a little bit complicated. So he starts by mentioning five. Uh, this is actually to Mahanama, and so Mahanama comes to see the Buddha and. Uh, the Buddha was going to set out wandering. Mahanama was was uh, Mahanama was this, the brother of Anuruddha. And if you remember the story of Anuruddha, Anuruddha, uh, because in the, when the Buddha went back to his home, many of the young men and even young women uh, went forth and became monks uh, under the Buddha. And so from every family, it seemed that they were, they were going. And some people complained and said, oh, this ascetic Gautama is, you know, or uh, Siddhartha, whatever they called them, is taking away our sons, stealing away our sons. 
most it was the men in the beginning and uh, they told the buddha this and the buddha said oh they'll tell them that they're they're ordaining according to the dhamma according to the dharma it would have been and when the monks told the people they said oh, they're ordaining according to the dharma then people were oh because they respected the dharma the the way dharma is a it took on a lot of meaning this word has is laden with much meaning originally it just meant what people held but it became uh, that which is held to be true kind of thing so it came to be the right Anyway, uh, from Mahanama and Anuruddha, no one from their family be became monks. And so they were kind of embarrassed. Mahanama said, one of us has to become a monk. And Anuruddha said, oh, well, becoming a monk sounds difficult. I'll stay as a layperson. You go become a monk. And so Mahanama uh, had to explain to Anuruddha how to be, be a layperson. Oh, well, we have We have estates that you have to care for, so you have to go and oversee the planting of the grain, the caring for the field, the tilling of the fields, the planting of the grain, the caring of the for the fields, the guarding of the grain from the animals. You have to oversee taking it to the mill, grinding the grain and so on, and, and, and all this, these, uh, um, all the affairs having to do with the farm. And then you have to give wages to all the workers and you have to, uh, oversee and make sure that they're doing their jobs and then you have to look after the money and he went on and on and on and Anuruddha's eyes got wider and wider until finally he said stop stop I'll become a monk you stay as a layperson and so Anuruddha became monk Mahanama stayed as a layman and and he, he was, he's a subject he's actually one of the great lay people in the Buddha's dispensation he, he often came to the Buddha and asked him questions so he found out that the Buddha was going away the monks were making a robe for him after the rains um, because uh, he was ready he was going to go wandering to teach you know? and so Mahanama heard this and he wanted to he, he wanted to get some instruction before the Buddha left so he went to the Buddha and he said, is this true? And he said, so I've heard that you're leaving. Uh, with all our various engagements, how should we dwell? Oh, this is Bhikkhu Bodhi's translate. Among the various ways in which we dwell, how should we dwell? Hmm? Kenasa viharena vihatabang. How should, by, by which means should, oh, of the many means, of the many ways we can dwell, this word vihara. This is a good quote. Te sang no bante nana vihari, viharatang kenasa vihari no vihatabang. This is the word vihara. Har means to carry, vihar. No, har means to take, I think, to take. Vihar. Vihar means to dwell. All the many ways we can dwell, how should we dwell? And the Buddha says, sadhu, sadhu, mahanam. 
it is proper that you should ask the Buddha this question. And so first, before he tells him how you should dwell, he offers these five qualities that he's going to require in order to dwell properly. So in order to accomplish the dwelling that the Buddha is going to give to him, he needs five qualities first. Uh, maybe this is where the eleven comes from. There's the five qualities and the six dwellings. All together makes eleven. It's not how Bhikkhu Bodhi numbers it, but we have the five things you should make, right? Okay, when you have established these five things in yourself, you should also make six other things grow within you. So, one who is serious, uh, it's not how big the book, let me see. Sadho ko mahanama arada ko hoti. Na asadho. So someone who is energetic, someone who is, oh, someone who is successful, eager. One is successful. How is one successful? First, sadho. Not no asadho. One needs to be, have confidence. They can't be faithless. So the first thing you need is you have to have confidence. You should have confidence in the Buddha, the Dhamma, the Sangha. You should have confidence in the practice, confidence in your teacher, confidence in yourself. If you don't have confidence in all these things, you have to remedy it. Maybe you need a new teacher. Uh, maybe you need to study about the Buddha, study the Dhamma, study. You have to get to know the Sangha so you have faith in them. You have to study the practice and find the right practice. You have to look at yourself and you have to see the good qualities in yourself and, and work on the good qualities and focus on good qualities so that you have confidence. Aradhaviryo no kusito. They have, they are accomplished in effort. Aradha means firm effort. No kusito, not lazy. You have to you have to work, you have to commit yourself. It doesn't mean you have to run around or you have to push yourself very hard. It just means you have to uh, have firm effort, strong effort, uh, consistent and sustained effort. Because you can have effort at any given moment, but it's easy to uh, fall into uh, laziness, out of greed or out of anger, out of delusion. But as soon as you're mindful, then you can have effort again. So you can rebuild effort every moment. You can cultivate it. This is how people are able to practice day and night. They're able to find effort in the present moment again and again and again. And just continuously stay with that. Number three, upat. Titasati no mutasati. They have established mindfulness or remembrance. They are not forgetful. No mutasati. They don't have muddled sati. 
means they're able to see things arising and ceasing and they're able to recognize this is this, this is this. They're able to practice body, kaya, vedana, citta, dhamma. They're able to see what is kaya, what is vedana, what is citta, what is dhamma. Before satipatthana. Samahito no asamahito. They are concentrated or focused, not unfocused. So again, this is not quite concentrated, it's more focused like a lens. Seeing things, sharpening your vision, seeing things as they are. And number five, panyava no dupanyo. They are uh, possessing of wisdom, not of low or base wisdom, base understanding. So you have to have wisdom. Wisdom about uh, wisdom about right view, wisdom about uh, the body and mind, three characteristics, wisdom about karma. You have to have wisdom about right and wrong. You have to have wisdom about cause and effect. You have to know these things intellectually first, but then you have to see them through the practice. So true panya, true wisdom is first you hear, then you think, and then you study, and you experience. And real wisdom is you see nama rupa, you see the physical and mental things arising. It's quite obvious actually, but you start to realize that that's the nature of reality. Not, not this room that we're in or this world that we live in, that's not real. What's real is experiences of physical and mental phenomena. You see like that, and then you see uh, cause and effect. This causes this, that causes that. And you see when you don't give rise to this, that doesn't arise. And so when you give rise to this, that arises. You see the three characteristics that everything you think was satis was stable, satisfying, controllable. It's not actually. You start to lose your passion, your desire. And then you see the path, you start to see how you can live, how you can exist without falling into suffering, without doing, without cultivating unwholesomeness and falling into suffering. And then you attain the fruit. You, finally, you pick the fruit and you taste the fruit of freedom. That's wisdom. So those five, and then... He talks about the six reflect recollections that you should keep in mind. And these are the six anusati. If we remember, if those of you who, helped, who studied the Visuddhimagga with us, yeah, we went through these. There's ten recollections. The first six are chanusati. They're called the six re re recollections. So we have the Buddha, the Dhamma, the Sangha. Uh, we have uh, sila, dana, no, jaga, right? Sila, jaga, and deva, devada. So the Buddha, the Dhamma, and the Sangha, we re recollect on the Buddha. 
We think about the Buddha, Itipiso, Bhagava, indeed he is the blessed one and so on. Supatiswakato, uh, we think of the Dhamma, well taught is the Dhamma, and there's a there's actually a mantra for that. Supatipanno, we think about the Sangha being well practiced. And there's a mantra for all three of those. The other three are reflecting on our sila, our, our, our morality. We think of how pure our morality is. How we're not killing, we're not stealing, we're not cheating, we're not lying. We're not taking drugs or alcohol. Even when we're practicing meditation, our morality is quite pure. Our behavior is quite pure. That's why meditation is so wonderful. That's why sitting on a mat and actually doing formal meditation is very important because it's that moment or that, that period of purity where you're not engaged in any impure activity. And then jaga, so you reflect on that and you feel happy about that. Uh, jaga means reflecting on your generosity. So those of us who, those of you who have joined with us to give robes to, to Ajahn Tong, it's an awesome thing. That's great. That kind of thing. It's just an, as, a, as an example. Any good deeds that you do, any gift that you've given, any help that you've given to someone, any if you've given the Dhamma, maybe you've taught someone how to meditate, all these things, reflecting on those, remembering them. And then finally, Devata. You re recollect on the angels. On heaven again this is advice to a layman so you might wonder why are we thinking about angels it's actually thinking about the qualities that exist in us uh, and rejoicing about our good qualities that will lead us to good things in the future now obviously heaven isn't where we're, we're aiming for but for a layman for someone who is sort of again practicing not uh, not necessarily to attain parinibbana in this life, but uh, to to purify their minds and to see the truth. There was um, th this person who came to visit a couple of days ago. Um, said to me, uh, um, she she said she's married. She has a husband, and she she said, "Oh, I saw your." Uh, saw your video on, I watched your video on how you became a monk. And I said, oh yeah, are you interested? <laughs> and she said, no. <laughs> Which is so good, you know, honest of her. Uh, but that kind of thing, you know, not, not everyone is going to go all the way. Uh, another, I've, I've gotten that answer before when I ask people if they want to become a monk. No, absolutely not. Someone even said, oh, I hope not. <laughs> so oh, maybe one day you'll become a monk. I said, oh, I hope not. So not everyone's headed in that direction. But, you know, going to heaven is a great thing because there's lots of Buddhists up in heaven. And so think about that. And so the Buddha says, when you think about these things, um, it the mind becomes, let's see, it's, Gains inspiration, gains uh, inspiration, gains joy. When his joyful rapture arises, for one with a rapturous mind, the mind, the body becomes tranquil. One tranquil in body feels pleasure. For one feel, feeling pleasure, 
the mind becomes concentrated. So it's a kind of pleasure that's based on wholesomeness. Not all pleasure is based on unwholesomeness. It's a pleasure that comes from thinking of good things, rejoicing in good things. The mind becomes concentrated. This is called a noble disciple who dwells in balance amid an unbalanced populace, who dwells unafflicted amid an, amid an afflicted populace. As one who has entered the stream of the Dhamma, he develops a recollection of these things. It's a way of dwelling in the world without suffering. Without. So these are protection. These six are, are useful as protection. The Buddha's, he's not saying that these are what leads you to enlightenment. He's saying these are things that allow you to have a balanced mind, to stay focused and balanced and not get lost in samsara. Think about these six things from time to time. So first, you notice how he prefaces it with actual core, hardcore teachings, the five, uh, the five faculties, confidence, effort, mindfulness, concentration, and wisdom. Um, but then he, before talking about these other things like if you are already practicing well, how do you protect it? You protect it but in these ways, by thinking about things like this group of six, the anusati. Very useful meditations. So we still practice mindfulness as our main meditation, but from time to time we think about the Buddha, the Dhamma, the Sangha, especially living in the world, it's easy to get lost uh, when you have to go to work and so on. So this keeps you focused and reminds you of what's important. So that's the Dhamma for tonight. Do you have any questions tonight? We have a question from last night, huh? Why are we? Why are human beings forced to live when suffering and futility are the only things we know? Of? Well, just as you see, this is the funny thing about about humans. Like we we have this idea that there should be a purpose, or you know, everything happens for a purpose, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. But we also have the idea. That you know that, that there's some some rhyme or reason to things so your question is kind of weird because you acknowledge that there's no purpose but then you assume that there's something forcing us to live like there's something like a god or something which buddhism doesn't acknowledge so what we know is that we live you know? there's no answer to why we why we live ignorance that's the root cause. No questions. If there are no questions, I'm going to go.
All right. Now have a good night, everyone. And I'll try to be back tomorrow.